When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skip Bayless Show, episode 33, in honor of the great Tony Dorsett. I had my battles with Mr. Dorsett, but could he ever tote that rock? Blazing speed, huge heart. Miss you, Tony. This is the un-undisputed. This is everything I cannot share with you during two and a half hours of go for the throat debate show, and that is undisputed. Have mercy. In episode 33, I will tell you why I have never ever encountered in all my career such a backlash like the Dallas Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys generated on Sunday night. I will tell you how a very unexpected good luck charm saved me during last Sunday's Baker Mayfield game. I will tell you how, as a diehard University of Oklahoma football fan, I now despise the program I once covered for the Los Angeles Times, the USC Trojans, now featuring my ex-coach, stinking Lincoln Riley, and my ex-quarterback, Caleb Williams. And finally, I will tell you why, forgive me for this, I do not play fantasy football. But first up, as always, it is time for not to be skipped. Hey, let's start with one of your questions. Why not? Let's go to Nick from Phoenix, who asks, would you rather be the Rams right now or the Cowboys? You know, I, I can just see Nick typing this question, thinking, I got him now. No, you don't, Nick. I said before the season started, the Cowboys will go farther than the Rams. And I still 1,000, 1,000, 1 billion percent believe just that as I just stated in my lengthy career, I have never ever experienced a nuclear overreaction like the one detonated Sunday night, live on NBC, coast to coast, at Jerry World. Never, ever, ever. Of course, the Eagles had won and the Giants had won and Washington had won. And then Dallas lost to Tampa Bay 19 to three and lost Dak Prescott and that was it. Season over. Shovel dirt on the grave of my Dallas Cowboys and dance on said grave. 
That's been the reaction I've experienced all week. Cowboy haters are out in mass, billions and billions of cowboy haters. And it, it feels a little like Cowboy Nation just closed up for repairs, waiting till next year. That's the feeling I get. This is ASA 9, ASA 10, ASA 11, ASA 1 billion. By the way, I created the ASA 9, 10, and 11 back on the days of the old network. It just popped out of my mouth one day, and it became famous or infamous, and I just used it again. I'm sorry, Nick, the Cowboys are just getting started. One down, 16 to go, or as I said before the season started, how about 19 to go? Because I did have them going all the way to the NFC Championship game. You know, I, it's the weirdest feeling. I, I feel like the last man on earth who still believes in this football team. And it's not because I'm lifelong diehard Cowboy fan. I, I, I just step back and I, I question myself on occasion over the last couple of days. And I think, wait a second, do I, do I have long COVID? Is it somehow affecting my brain? No, I, I, I feel perfectly fine. Now back to Nick from Phoenix. Hmm. You know what, Nick? Your Rams are obviously going to miss Von Miller. We saw that on opening Thursday night. I already believe that your Aaron Donald is the most overhyped player, certainly defensive player, in pro football history, considering the fact that so many people already believe he's the greatest defensive player ever. I mean, he's really good, but, but seriously? I mean, to me, the Rams AD, as in Aaron Donald, disappears about as much as the Lakers AD, as in Anthony Davis. Greatest ever? Seriously? And by the way, seems like every time I look up, Jalen Ramsey is chasing yet another receiver into the end zone. Are you sure about J-Ram, Nick? I'm not. Right now, Nick, I have this guy named Micah Parsons, and you don't. I have 11 from heaven. I have my O Micah Parsons, my pick to win Defensive Player of the Year. He got Tom Brady twice Sunday night. Micah and my defense held the GOAT to a grand total of 19 points. And by the way, very soon, I believe, if not already, Micah Parsons is more valuable in my eyes than Aaron Donald is to you. Micah Parsons can flat-out rush the passer in ways Aaron Donald never thought about. He's anchored and stuck, obviously, at defensive tackle. Micah moves and grooves from all angles. He can edge rush, he can A-gap rush, B-gap rush, other edge rush. He's just more valuable because he can do what you have to do, which is consistently get to and wreck the quarterback. My defense is, is on its way to becoming a top five defense. And in the end, my defense, Nick, will be better than your defense. I got Micah and you don't. 
as I said before the season started, my team will go as far as Micah and my defense carry my team. But nobody's talking about my defense. Nobody's talking about what my defense did to Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Nobody. Do you realize my defense, Micah's defense, just last year, do you realize it went quietly up to Minnesota and held Justin Jefferson to two catches for 21 yards? They, they did that last year. And by the way, speaking of that game, does anybody but me remember what my backup quarterback did to the Vikings that Halloween night? Anybody. I don't think anybody does. I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by this. My backup quarterback, Cooper Robert Rush, threw for 325 yards that Sunday night on the solo NFL stage, standing in for Dak Prescott. 325, and guess what? 112 of those yards went to C.D. Lamb, with whom Dak seems to have no connection, no feel, no wavelength. All of a sudden, Cooper Rush is slinging it to CD. Cooper Rush threw the game-winning touchdown pass with 55 seconds left. Look, I, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm not saying Cooper Rush is going to make the Pro Bowl this year, but listen, I trust him far more than I did Ben DiNucci or Garrett Gilbert or even Andy Dalton. Trust me on this. Cooper Rush is more talented than Andy Dalton ever thought about being. Cooper Rush can not only sling it, but he slings it with fearless poise. He is not afraid of the moment or the stage. He's been in the Cowboy system for going on six years. So Cooper Rush is plenty good enough to go beat the Giants at the Giants on a Monday night. Plenty good enough to come home and beat Washington at Jerry World. I'm not saying he's good enough to beat the Bengals this Sunday at Jerry World. I mean, think about this. My Super Bowl picks, Tampa Bay over Cincinnati, and we had to play them right out of the box, one and two. I'll be it at home, but I always say my team seems to play better on the road than it does at Jerry World, which is all the world stage. But right out of the box, you got to deal with Tom Brady and Joe Burrow? I mean, come on, give me a break. Do I think Cooper Rush will embarrass himself against Cincinnati? I do not. And yes, I give you this, Amari Cooper is gone. But I, I first guessed this, it was addition by subtraction. I don't know how many road games Amari disappeared in. I, for one, do not miss him. Michael Gallup will be back sooner than later. James Washington will be back and give us the deep threat sooner than later. Zeke is back. I mean, he's, he's dropped like 15 pounds. He, he looks like miniature Zeke. Man, I love the way he ran against Tampa. 10 times for 52 yards, give him 20 carries. See if he can get you 115, highly possible. I love the way Tyler Smith stood up 
and accounted for himself as a rookie starting at left tackle out of Tulsa University. He's a keeper, man. My team is really, really good. My team got beaten by the best team in pro football on Sunday night. There's no shame in that. There's no season over because of that. And by the way, I believe Jerry on Sunday night, he said the, the break in Dak's thumb is very manageable. And now they've revised the prognosis to maybe three weeks. I mean, Nick, that means Dak could be back just in time, October 9th, to come out here to where I am in LA. You're in Phoenix, I'm in LA. Dallas at Rams, October 9th, Dak could be back. What's not to like about my team's chances? I still believe if you look down at the last seven games of my schedule, they're pretty easy. My team is going to catch fire late as opposed to last year when it caught hell late. I still, I'll revise my preseason prediction because of the DAC injury. I'll go from 12 and five to 11 and six. That's still plenty good enough for my Cowboys to win the NFC East. As much as I fear Philadelphia, and I talked the whole offseason about it, it's still good enough to win the NFC East. It's still good enough to win a home playoff game. I'm still bullish on my Dallas Cowboys. I still see NFC Championship game. I'm, I'm not worried at all. And no, Nick, I don't need to see a doctor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Bayless. Just go to Indeed.com slash Bayless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Bayless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As you might know, Browns at Baker became a game of the year for me and my debate depart. Excuse me, my debate partner Shannon Sharp on Undisputed. I do believe in Baker Mayfield, as you probably know to a fault. Shannon despises Baker Mayfield, in part because Shannon is very close with Odell, as in Odell Beckham Jr. And Undisputed often boils over into 
Was it Baker's fault or Odell's fault for what happened in Cleveland? It was nobody's fault. Baker got hurt. Baker had three, I'm sorry, Odell got hurt. Odell had three surgeries in, in Cleveland and then Baker got hurt, needed surgery all last year. It was a disaster. Baker loves Odell. They vacationed together. It just didn't work. It's almost Dak CD-like in that for some reason, Baker and Odell couldn't connect. They could never get on the same page on the same football field. Shannon said before that draft that he would take Sam Darnold with the first overall pick. I went completely against the grain, and I said I'd take Baker Mayfield. The Browns took Baker, so I guess I was at least right about that. But what were the odds that Baker Mayfield would wind up having to beat out Sam Darnold to be the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, the team ranked dead last in ESPN.com's off-season power rankings. What were the odds that Baker's old team would open the season at Baker's new team? Billions to one? That's why I love, that's why I live for sports. So the game kicked off at 10 a.m. out here in Los Angeles. Shannon and I had 10 cases of Diet Mountain Dew bet on that game. This was our week one Super Bowl. And Baker got off to, as you probably know, a nightmarish start. Pinned deep in his territory, going backward, winding up with four straight third and forevers. Baker's team trailed 14 to nothing late in the first half when it happened. I've told you before how much I believe in jinxes and how much I believe in good luck and bad luck charms. Jerseys, people in the room, people out of the room. Many times, as I've told you before, my daughter my five-year-old, our five-year-old Maltese, named Hazel, has been a great luck charm for me. But there have also been times when, as she sleeps at my feet in my little man cave where I watch the games by myself, no Ernestine, she doesn't even dare to poke her head in the door usually. There have been times I've kicked Hazel out when she didn't work as my good luck charm. I've also been guilty at times of all but kidnapping her and forcing her to stay in. Even when she needs to pee or poop, she needs to go outside. She's got to stay until the bitter end. Good luck charm. So as fate would have it, this is a very true story. On Sunday, Hazel was, as usual, sleeping at my feet in her little bed under my desk at which I sit watching two big screens. I can only sort of absorb two games at once. I have another one up on my computer, but I usually don't even watch it or follow it. I just can't comprehend that much all at once. And all of a sudden, Hazel got up out of her bed First time ever for this, 
came up to me, looked up at me, looked me right in the eyes, and indicated she wanted to jump up in my lap. Never, ever done this before in all her five years. Hmm. Maybe she sensed something was going very wrong. I said, okay, come on up. She jumped up in my lap. She can really jump, Ken Hazel. She, she's quite the athlete. She weighs about 10 pounds now. And she tried to settle in. It's not that comfortable in my lap. She tried to find a comfortable spot. And immediately, it was third and three from the Carolina 32. And immediately, Baker Mayfield hit DJ Moore for 16 big yards. And on the very next play, as God is my witness, with Hazel in my lap, Baker Mayfield found his wide open tight end, Ian Thomas, hit him right on the button, and 50 yards later, they were almost home, and they quickly cashed in the 14-7 touchdown. And suddenly, Baker Mayfield was back in business. Now, understand, Hazel can be a restless ball of fire, but she strangely stayed patient in my lap as this was unfolding. And of course, I continued to pet her and to, to try to calm her. And I continued to thank her. Thank you for staying in my lap. I talked to her just like she's a human being, like an adult human being. I just said, thank you for hanging with me, Hazel. As Ernestine, my wife, always says, she, she actually listens to what you say, and she actually seems to understand what you tell her. Listen, maybe I'm a proud papa, but Hazel is smarter than Lassie ever was, if you remember Lassie. Hazel is much wiser than I have ever been or ever will be. So at one point, Ernestine wondered what had happened to Hazel, so she did knock on my door and poke her head in just for a second. She was surprised to see Hazel in my lap, which had never, ever happened before, and she said, oh, okay, now you're, you're holding your little Buddha hostage. Is that what's happening? I said, no, she wanted to jump up and be in my lap. I did not tell Ernestine that Hazel had turned the game completely around. That would have jinxed it and ended it right then, right there. But with Hazel in my lap, Baker Mayfield threw for 155 yards in the fourth quarter. I'm petting her, calming her, hang in, stay with me. 155 yards in the fourth quarter. Baker threw a touchdown pass. He ran for a touchdown. It was Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. And all of a sudden, with a minute and 13 seconds left, a Carolina field goal from 34 yards out put Baker ahead of the Browns 24 to 23. I was quietly out of my mind but I could just envision somewhere up there above me in his palatial estate up in Bel Air, Shannon Sharp had to be dying 
but I didn't make a sound. I did not flinch because I did not want to disturb Hazel, who had now, believe it or not, fallen asleep with her head hanging off the side of my leg, a terribly uncomfortable position. But she was hanging in with me and I'm thinking, thank you, girl. You know what? It took some, some pretty evil magic to overcome Hazel's power. And somewhere up there in Bel Air, Shannon Sharp had to be sticking pins in his Baker doll because first and 10, Brown's at their 25. Brian Burns of the Panthers was flagged for a phantom roughing penalty, just absolutely phantom. Even my friend Jay Feely doing the commentary on TV said, what? I don't see it. Well, you can't see it because it was phantom. And he brushed the, the edge of his face mask across the helmet of Jacoby Brissett. It, it, was, it was a horrible call, or as Christian McCaffrey said, a horrid call then clearly Jacoby Brissett, he fake spiked and rethought it as he retreated from center and then spiked it. It's, it's clearly by rule intentional grounding. You just can't do that. One referee called it, flagged it. The head referee overturned it wrongly. That penalty would have forced the rookie Browns kicker, Cade York's got a thunder leg to try an NFL record 68-yard field goal. He wasn't going to make that, but instead he got to launch a 58-yarder that for a split second looked like it was wide right, but it began to hook and hook like a Rory McIlroy drive. Hooked inside the upright, Browns 26, Baker 24, and that's the way it ended. I did lose 10 cases, but Shannon Sharp knew I got robbed. Shannon knew I should have won that game. Shannon knew he got incredibly lucky. Shannon knew that Baker Mayfield put on a fourth quarter show and deserved to win that game. And at the very least, Shannon Sharp knew I enjoyed on Monday a moral victory. Thank you, Hazel. Once again, you saved me. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Now, speaking of Baker Mayfield, who once won a Heisman Trophy at the University of Oklahoma, allow me to tell you, and please forgive me for this, but allow me to tell you why I have come to despise the USC football program, starting with its new coach, my old coach, stinking Lincoln Riley. And the great irony here is 
I once wrote about USC's football team for the Los Angeles Times during their glory days of the 70s. So I know Trojan tradition. I lived it. I, I still work with some forging, excuse me, former Trojan stars, greats, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart. And just a quick aside and a very true story, as I was growing up in Oklahoma City, I was 14 years of age and I was walking up my grandmother's steps on 18th Street in Oklahoma City and I actually had a flash. I flashed that I was in the press box of the Los Angeles Coliseum watching the, what I called in the Southern Cal Trojans play. I had this flash as God is my witness. I didn't even know I wanted to be in the media at that point, but I had this flash. And how fateful was that? But understand, it would be nine more years. I, I would be covering the Trojans and I would be do, doing so from that press box. But, but what you have to comprehend is that I know the Oklahoma tradition even better than the Southern Cal tradition because I was born into that, I was raised in that, and I was steeped in that. Nobody in my extended or immediate family liked any sports, but everybody in my extended family, and of course my immediate family, loved and lived for Oklahoma Sooners football. That was because our nationally ridiculed state had rebuilt its battered image around our college football team. Quick history lesson, in the late 1930s, the great John Steinbeck, I'm a big fan, wrote a book called The Grapes of Wrath about an Oklahoma family he called the Jodes, J-O-A-D-S, the Jodes, a family that was driven off its farmland by dust storms known as the Dust Bowl. That's one bowl you don't want to get invited to or play in. And in real life, thousands of Okies, as they were called, I consider that a derogatory term. They did load up their cars, their families, and they did drive all the way to California in search of the promised land, in search of jobs, picking fruit in the abundant orchards in California, both northern and southern. They were lured by signs posted in Oklahoma and in Texas and in Kansas and Colorado, signs offering great jobs in California. Steinbeck, excuse me, Steinbeck admitted later that he really didn't know the state of Oklahoma. He had driven through it on old Route 66 
going from California to New York. But everything he wrote about my state was inaccurate. The Dust Bowl was actually out in the panhandle of Oklahoma and into Texas and also involved Colorado and Kansas and ruined farmers in all four states. But he focused on Oklahoma. I don't know why. And he positioned the Jode family in eastern Oklahoma, which is rolling hills, lush, no dust, no bowl. But it didn't matter because many of what he called the Okies did flee to California where the land barons were hoping for dirt cheap labor, which they got in abundance. And many of those Okies couldn't even find work and starve to death. The grapes of wrath. Blockbuster movie came 1940. Great Henry Fonda starred as Tom Joad, nominated for an Oscar. John Ford, the director, won the Oscar. In that movie, indelibly and unfairly stained my state's reputation as incredibly backward and not a place you'd want to live when I still consider it God's country. So it was after World War II ended that the University of Oklahoma Board of Regents got together and tried to come up with the best PR strategy to, to save Oklahoma's reputation nationally in its stained image. And their strategy was, let's try to create a championship football team, the best team money can buy. A slush fund was created, and as college football players returned from the war, free at that point, a la what we have today with the portal, but they were all free to sign with, with any school. I'm pretty sure that OU offered, in many cases, the most money. And under legendary coach Bud Wilkinson, my Sooners won a record 47 straight games, a record that will never, ever be broken. It was, it's just impossible. And through that time, I know in my very earliest years when we used to go on vacation, we didn't go far, didn't have much money, but if we went to Texas or Louisiana or Kansas City maybe or St. Louis, if somebody said, where are you guys from, Oklahoma? As soon as you said Oklahoma, they said, Sooners. Trust me, Sooners. When I went away to Vanderbilt, my freshman year, where are you from, Oklahoma? Sooners. Sooners. It became my claim to fame in my freshman dorm. Sooner fan. So guess who attended the home game in Norman, Oklahoma at Owen Field, the home game in which that 47-game winning streak was shockingly snapped. I did. 
I was all of five years of age. My grandfather had season tickets. He almost always took my older cousins to the games. But Notre Dame was the opponent that day, had just lost in South Bend to Navy. Notre Dame turned right around and went to Michigan State and got blown out 34 to 6 there. Notre Dame was a 19-point underdog that fateful day coming to Norman. And I'm assuming that none of my older cousins wanted to stoop to going to a game against Notre Dame, which had fallen completely out of the top 20 by that point. This was November 16th of 1957. That same Notre Dame team would go on the next week to lose to Iowa 21 to 13. So that Notre Dame team lost three of four games. But that day, as a 19 point underdog, Notre Dame beat my Sooners seven to nothing. Seven to nothing. My grandfather did not say a single word on our long drive home through heavy bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Not a single word. He just fumed. My grandfather was a bull of a man that you did not mess with. Not a single word. So even though I went to Vanderbilt and graduated from Vanderbilt, I bleed crimson and cream. I gloried in the wishbone years, featuring a man who became a good friend of mine, Barry Switzer. 1971, OU Nebraska, greatest game ever played in my humble estimation. Nebraska won it in Norman, 35-31, but I was there. The next year on Thanksgiving break, I drove with a friend all the way up to Lincoln, Nebraska to watch OU get revenge, 1972, 17 to 14. As one of my closest friends, Grant Burgett, scored the tying touchdown in the fourth quarter with about 11.45 to go. May he rest in peace, Grant Burgett. I, I lost track of how many OU Texas games I either attended or covered. So many great memories. And I must admit, I was pleasantly shocked when my fairly new coach, Bob Stoops, in his second year at the helm, broke through as a big underdog and beat Florida State to win the national championship. Yet, Bob Stoops became the bane of my existence. After that breakthrough, year after year, Stoops' Sooners got blown out, got humiliated in big game after big game after big game. So I will be the first to admit to you right here, right now, I am a spoiled, rotten Oklahoma Sooner football fan. Spoiled, rotten. As the fight song says, I was sooner born and sooner bred, and when I die, I will be sooner dead. That's me. 
crimson, and cream. Whenever the winningest programs are ranked in college football history, my Sooners are always in the top five. Ahead of, by the way, USC. But you have to understand, my emotions burn much deeper because of the Grapes of Wrath and what it did to my state. So it was that Lincoln Riley took over for Bob Stoops. Lincoln Riley quickly developed a very national reputation as a quarterback, recruiter, and whisperer. Lincoln Riley could really coach him some quarterbacks. He could really call him some plays. He was a wizard on offense. The best offense in college football, however, was always coupled with, if not undercut by, the worst good team defense in all of college football. I've never seen anything quite like it. It was all offense and no defense. Defense wasn't even an afterthought. It was a non-thought. The lowest priority. Lincoln was Hollywood, and I guess he was destined to be in Hollywood. It was all about Lincoln and the quarterback. And of course, in his first year, Baker did win the Heisman Trophy. But little known fact for you USC faithful, 2017, Baker's big year. Would you believe that stinking Lincoln Riley Sooners lost in Norman as a 31-point favorite to Iowa State, 38-31? to 31? Think about that. They were a 31-point favorite. They gave up 38 points at home. They scored 31, pretty good, and they lost 38-31. to 31. Yet they managed to overcome it. Baker managed to overcome it and win the Heisman. They wound up in a national semifinal against Georgia. And predictably, we lost to Georgia 54 to 48. It was in a couple of overtimes, but 54 to 48? It was hard to watch. All offense, no defense. 2018. Here comes Kyler Murray, and here comes Texas. Texas wasn't that good that year. We were favored by eight in that Red River shootout, Cotton Bowl, Dallas. Texas beat us 48 to 45, just so you USC faithful can remember this. 48 to 45 was the score. Kyler was sensational. Texas scored 48. No defense, all offense. We play another national semifinal. We make the playoffs. We play Alabama. It was 31 to 10 at halftime on the way to 45 to 34. Kyler was pretty great in that game, but we gave up 45. We got no shot. 2019, here comes Jalen Hurts. Oh, I thought Lincoln did worked wonders with Jalen Hurts. Basically got dumped and beaten out at Alabama by Tua. 
Jalen Hurts' team lost at Kansas State 48-41. to Jalen was tremendous in that game. I, I thought he was sensational the whole year. Finished second in the Heisman voting. I thought he had a shot to win it. They lost at home, for, I'm sorry, at Kansas State 48-41. to You're kidding me. It's just shameful. Was anybody watching? Was anybody keeping track of, of what stinking Lincoln didn't do on defense? And then we make the playoffs again. I don't know how we survived that one loss. It was just so ugly. It was so damning. We played Joe Burrow in LSU. It was 49 to 14 at halftime on the way to 63 to 28. Joe Burrow threw for 493 and seven touchdowns without an interception. He had a QBR of 99 on a scale of zero to 100. 493 and seven touchdowns against stinking Lincoln's defenseless defense. What? And then here came the number one recruit, quarterback recruit in all the land, Spencer Rattler. Okay, I'm game. I'm all eyes. 2020, we lost at home to Kansas State 38-35. to huh. We were a 28-point favorite that afternoon. 28-point favorite, we lose 38-35. to As a 7-point favorite, we lost at Iowa State that year 37-30. to What? Lincoln! You got to stop somebody. You got to recruit somebody who can play a little bit of defense. Nope, nobody. And then came 2021, last year. My Sooners were 9 0, thanks to Caleb Williams, another number one recruit who finally got his chance to replace Spencer Rattler in the Texas game and took it over. I began to campaign for freshman Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. Freshman to win the Heisman. 9-0 were my Sooners going to Baylor. We got a real shot to be in the playoffs again. Close game, going to the fourth quarter. I'm still very suspicious about this one. It was almost Belichickian. Lincoln Riley yanked Caleb Williams in favor of Spencer Rattler. What? The, the game's hanging in the balance. We were trailing, but, but we still got a real good shot. Caleb's going to figure it out. He did. He figured it out late against Kansas. He, he, it's just the way he plays. He's just a kid. He'll get it. Nope, he's gone until the bitter end when the game was completely out of control. I'm thinking, what, what was that all about? We lost 27 to 14. We barely held off Iowa State the next week at home, 28 to 21. They're driving to tie the game at the end and we picked one off in the end zone. No defense. And then came the last fateful game, Bedlam, arch rival, Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Caleb did some really good things, a couple of bad things, but we lost 37 to 33. And that night, question once again, 
as the rumors, excuse me, rumors had become rampant about was Lincoln Riley about to leave for LSU. Lincoln Riley said, I am not going to LSU. That was a half truth and a half of a lie. Because the next day, USC announced it had hired stinking Lincoln Riley. And a day later after that, at a big introductory press conference out here in LA at the LA Coliseum, Lincoln acted like he had known the AD and the president of the university for several weeks, which I'm thinking he had. So instead of focusing upon Baylor and Iowa State and certainly Oklahoma State, it seems like, it felt like, stinking Lincoln was negotiating with USC. It just made me sick, just turned my stomach. It's just outrageous. No defense and then no focus on the two biggest games of the year. And then insult to injury after he had yanked Caleb out of that game. Is that not a bridge burner? Caleb did play in our bowl game. Thank you very much, young man. But then right on cue, Yep, he follows Lincoln right out to Hollywood. And I'm sure that Hollywood NIL money talked. And I'm sure Caleb's thinking, I wanna go to Hollywood and be a big star in Hollywood, and boy, is he ever. He's even got a national TV commercial already that I've seen repeatedly. Stinkin' Lincoln is the talk not only of LA, he, he's the talk of the country right now because USC is back. And Caleb Williams just might be a Heisman front runner at this point. Just makes me sick. So, I've got a warning for you, Trojan faithful. Yeah, everybody's gone gaga over your team gag me with a silver spoon, but you beat Stanford the other day, 41 to 28. Stanford had 33 first downs to your 25. Stanford rushed the ball for 221 yards. I am warning you, it's coming. I don't know where it'll be. Maybe at Oregon State, maybe it'll be against Cal. Maybe it'll be against Washington State. They had a nice win the other day at Wisconsin. I watched it. Book it one of these Saturdays when you least expect it, when you're a 21-point favorite, stinking Lincoln will lose a game 51 to 50. It's just the way it is. It's just the way he coaches. So USC, I say enjoy. And just a little word to the wise, don't sleep on my Oklahoma Sooners that Lincoln left for dead. He took Caleb, he took Mario Williams, he took some skilled players. We finally have a real head coach, Brent Venables. Lincoln was always so paranoid, so secretive. 
so anti-media. Brent Venables gives the best pre- and post-game press conferences I have ever heard in all my years of covering college football. And finally, we have a defense because Brent Venables is all about defense. My team has a new toughness, a new swagger, a new ability to shut you down. And by the way, out of nowhere, out of Central Florida, I have a little quarterback named Dylan Gabriel. Maybe he's not Caleb Williams, not Baker, not Kyler, not Jalen. But you know what? He's a better Tua at about 5'11", out of Hawaii and left-handed. A better Tua throws a much better deep ball than Tua. Hmm. So this week, my Sooners are ranked sixth, and your Trojans are ranked seventh. It's going to be very interesting to track that as the year plods along. Sometimes I flash back to that moment walking up my grandmother's stairs outside on her porch, 18th Street in Oklahoma City, and I think, was that flash that I have that I had at that point of working at the Coliseum up in the press box? Was that a dream or was that an omen? Stinking Lincoln. I'm glad he's yours and no longer mine. Get back to your question, shall we? Benny from Houston asks, have you ever played fantasy football? No, Benny, I have not. Look, full disclosure, I love fantasy football because I love how so many people love playing fantasy football. It does my heart good. But I'm not like most people. For me, fantasy football is basically against my sports religion. I want to root for teams to win games, not for random scattered players to have big days to help me win my fantasy football league. If I'm rooting like a madman for my Dallas Cowboys, I do not want to have to root for Tom Brady to throw for 600 yards and eight touchdowns in a losing effort. I don't want my emotions mixed that way. Remember, I am betting my pride, along with numerous cases of Diet Mountain Dew, but I'm betting my pride, most of all, against a Hall of Famer, Shannon Sharp, on national TV. That is my fantasy football. You're betting your pride against people you know, maybe close friends of yours, maybe work associates, in your fantasy league. I get that. You can get shamed and ridiculed just the way I do when I lose to Shannon. I get that. I, I appreciate that. I honor that. But I don't need that. When I lose, I, I don't have to get a tattoo or get my head shaved or whatever the penalty is in your fantasy football league. But I do have to go on national TV and I have to sit across from that guy 
wagging his finger at me, saying, I told you so. Your cowboys are no good. I hear it way too many Mondays. The truth is my fantasy is for my Dallas Cowboys to rise from the grave and win this year's Super Bowl in Phoenix, live on Fox. And that Monday after, get to look across the table at the face of one Shannon Sharp. Talk about fantasy. That is mine. That's it for episode 33. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thanks to Jonathan Berger and his all pro team for making this show go. Thanks to Tyler Korn for producing. Please remember, undisputed every weekday, 9.30 to noon Eastern, The Skip Bayless Show, every week.